Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Hello, plant people. Thank you for joining me in my backyard today. We are we have been having that weird central Texas winter weather where we bounce back between being warm and sunny one day and then cold and wet the very next day. And, you know, over the past three weeks, we have had lots of sunshine and rain. And then, of course, we had that um, awesome snow. You know, I have worn my big puffy coat and my shorts all in the same week. Um, it's just kind of freaky. Um, you know, it's been cold enough to have the heaters on sometimes and then turn around in a day or so later, then we're opening all the windows back up to, um, let in all the fresh air, you know, half the time, I don't even know what I'm going to be wearing for the day. Um, and it's starting to get a little annoying, but you know, if we get some rain in there, um, that'll be fine. They'll make it worthwhile. You know, all that cold, wet weather has been great for my broccoli and my kale, you know, something about, um, that cold wet weather um, just really um, got them motivated to grow I mean they look fantastic they look great I saw a nice big broccoli crown out there and I'm gonna um, I've been looking forward to um, picking that you know it's just so nice to walk out to the garden and um, get fresh produce and the hardest part of gardening really is is waiting it's exciting to be able to access all that super fresh produce. You can't get produce fresher than that just in walking out to your backyard. You know, I've noticed um, the stores have their gardening stuff set up already. Um, they are ready for the spring, and I love that. Spring is my all-time favorite time of the year, and it's just around the corner. I know a lot of us have had seed starting on our minds. Um, if you don't um, if you haven't started those um, warm season plants that take a long time to grow, like tomatoes and peppers, it's still okay. I would not wait. I would not mess around and wait too much longer. Uh, depending on the weather, um, the earliest that you can set out tomatoes and basils and um, peppers is around March 5th, give or take. It just depends on what the weather. But if you go ahead and start your plants, uh, start your seeds this week, um, you'll be fine. You may need to wait another week before transplanting, but it, it's okay. We are always subject to um, Mother Nature's whims, so it's more up to her than it is to us as far as when, when that um, last average frost actually is. Now, as we head into February, we um, have a couple of key plant maintenance chores coming up that we really need to try to tackle. And those two things would be caring for and planting roses, and then also planting seed potatoes. You know, February always, always goes so quickly for me, so I try to take care of my roses and get my um, potatoes planted somewhere around Valentine's and President's Day. 
we have a few, uh, and we really only have a couple of weeks um, to go, but I wanted to just go ahead and start mentioning it now um, so that will give us, um, for those of us who have to build in procrastination time, um, I, I know I have to give myself some flexibility because things don't always work out as planned, but uh, just wanted to give you that heads up. So. Um, you know, for one thing, we, we just don't know what it, um, this winter weather is going to do in Central Texas. So we've got to stay flexible when it comes to the weather. We don't want to put out plants too early either. Gardening is something that I just really enjoy and I find relaxing and it's reassuring to know, to have some like general dates, um, to get certain chores and plants planted. So here's your heads up. Valentine's Day is easy to remember um, for roses, um, pruning and planting around Valentine's Day. P is for President's Day, so P is also for planting potatoes. So get um, get those. Try to try to get those in the ground by President's Day. If you have something um, special that you want to plant, like a certain variety of rose or a certain kind of seed potato to try this year. This is um, a great time to start looking for them, especially if you want um, to only grow organic seed potatoes. Those are a little harder to find, so definitely start looking for those now. I'm going to talk about potatoes late in the show today, but I want to spend a little time talking um, about roses first. If you are wanting to put in a brand new um, type of rose this year, uh, and you're looking for one, I'd like to recommend that you check out Earthkind Roses. Earthkind is a special designation that um, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Services gives. Um, only certain cultivars of roses get to be called Earthkind. Um, Earthkind refers to a landscaping style which uses research based growing techniques that kind of maximize um, garden enjoyment um, but also reduce the impact um, on the environment and I'm going to get um, I'll get into that here Earthkind landscaping method combines the best of organic and conventional gardening to create horticultural practices that are effective and environmentally friendly. Earthkind landscaping practices encourage water and energy conservation, um, a reduction in the use of um, fertilizer and pesticides, and um, they focus on reducing yard waste, which would normally go to the landfill. Um, to me, it's very, very similar to the um, principles of permaculture, which is another style of landscaping that optimizes your outdoor space for maximum yield. Uh, the Earthkind horticulture concept um, and research was started in the 1990s by Texas A&M Extension Services. Um, they decided to come up with a program in a response to the demand for um, no-fail gardening um, landscape plants because people wanted um, plants that were easier to grow and the first plants that they um, studied were roses. Now to me Earthkind practices are um, based in research and science 
which is one of the criticisms of permaculture that um, permaculture relies heavily on anecdotal methods and not necessarily research-based um, and that kind of stuff matters to to um, some people um, it may just be kind of a snobby thing um, you know a lot of gardening is just pass along information and on what works best um, most of us are able to plant and grow things without without having degrees in agriculture or plant sciences and we definitely you know don't have to get any sort of license or certificate if we want to plant anything um, anyway if you go out and search for the earth kind um, practices on the internet um, you're gonna find the website and lots of really good information that is very easy to understand I think they did a really good job explaining the concepts and the earth kind information is really good for helping folks transition from conventional gardening to a more organic style of gardening. Now if you go out to the Texas A&M earth kind website you're gonna find out pretty quickly um, that they didn't invent or discover a lot of the practices um, that they promote um, like mulching to conserve water and to suppress those weeds or you know putting grass clippings into the compost instead of the garbage but um, it's a nice concise website to find out um, how and you know all the whys of um, gardening in a more earth-friendly um, way but my favorite part of the Earthkind website is the plant selector. They have this really cool database that scores plants based on several factors like heat and drought tolerance and um, it gives you the soil requirements. You can enter the name of the plant that um, you know. Um, if you know the name of the plant, you can enter that or you can um, select spe um, specific um, things you are looking for in a plant and in enter those. And then the website looks up the information in the database and returns um, either the info on the plant um, that you entered or it will give you a list of plants based on the desired traits that you entered and it's pretty cool. Texas A&M spent a lot of time researching landscape plants and like I mentioned earlier they spent a lot of time studying those roses and since we were coming up on the most ideal time to plant roses in Central Texas um, let's talk about those earth kind roses. Texas A&M Extension Services did so much research and they did field trials and they grew all kinds of roses and they took their time. It took like eight years to um, to come up with the initial list. They came up with the earth kind designation um, for roses that had the best pest tolerance and perform the best in Texas landscapes. And as you know, Texas is a huge place and it has so many different climates and types of soil. But Earthkind roses um, perform really well no matter where you live and no matter what kind of soil type that you have. And they do really well here in Central Texas. Um, they grow really well in well-draining acidic sandy soils and they, do, um, they grow just as well in heavy clay and alkaline soils like we have here in Taylor. Um, once Earthkind roses get established, they have excellent heat and drought tolerance, which is so important if you want, a, if you want to have low maintenance roses. 
you know, I was thinking about it and I've been gardening probably 25 years altogether and gardening um, exclusively in Texas for almost tw 20 years. Um, wow. Um, if there's one thing that I've heard over and over um, from people is that roses are really difficult and they're hard to keep alive. Um, in some ways that's true, but most of the time the problem is with plant selection. If you pick a rose or really any other plant for that matter, that isn't really suited for your area, you're going to have a lot more um, maintenance. You're going to have to care for it a lot more and the plant is just going to struggle without it. If you want to add new roses to your garden, selecting ones that are suitable for our climate and soil is the most important thing. If you just buy a rose based on the color or the price, um, you know, maybe you impulse purchased a rose while you were out shopping at the uh, home improvement store and it happens, I've done it. I'm not gonna judge you. I'm just gonna warn you, they may not grow um, very well. Roses have a bad reputation for being difficult. Um, lots are prone to um, fungal diseases and the bugs tend to just eat them up. A lot of times, um, it's pretty true. Um, when plants don't like our climate or soil, they don't, um, they're not going to thrive. Um, you can spend a lot of time and money nursing a plant and trying to keep it healthy and alive. But people love roses. They have been cultivating um, roses for centuries. And <coughs> there are literally thousands of variations from all over the world. I love roses too, and I am especially fond of really fragrant ones and really colorful ones. And I'm a pretty big sucker for the ones that look like wild roses and they have that big yellow eye in the center. Anyway, roses have been so popular over the years that people have gone nuts breeding them to get um, new color and flower shapes and even um, breeding them for um, to change their scent. All of this breeding over the years um, for certain characteristics have created um, really gorgeous flowers. Um, but the flip side of that is that you also get um, roses that have less desirable traits like issues with pests and diseases. And this is where um, some of that bad reputation um, has come from. Um, you know, there is a whole sub-industry just for caring for roses all kinds of fertilizer blends just for roses and special antifungal sprays um, to help treat the rose diseases and whatnot i mean you could really spend a lot of money on caring for roses and you know some some people do i'm just not that kind of gardener i don't want to use a bunch of expensive synthetic products i want plants that make me happy and i want plants that are easy and easy makes me happy so that's what i am looking for in a rose selecting roses um, that will be happy in our climate is a critical part of the decision making it's not about just getting a certain color or a flower shape you know here in central texas we really need roses that are drought and heat tolerant luckily for us we don't have to guess or pretend we know what we're doing when it comes to roses because Texas A&M has already done the research. 
So the earth, uh, the goal of the Earth Kind Rose program um, was to find roses that grow easily at home with the least amount of care. Earth Kind Roses are really hardy plants and they don't require special fungal sprays um, and they're pretty resistant to insects too. Um, and they don't rely on a lot of fertilizer um, to get a really um, spectacular amount of flowers. Once they get established, Earth Kind Roses don't need much care. Just regular deadheading, some compost and mulch, and some annual pruning. Earth Kind Roses are just so easy and they really are just as easy as other plants to grow in our garden. One of the reasons that Earth Kind Roses do so well is that they grow on their own roots. Lots and lots of roses that are for sale out there are grown on rootstock. This means the top flowering parts of the rose are grafted to a completely different type of ruse rote. Um, what? what? <laughs> rose root. So they take um, the, um, the flowering part of a plant and they, um, they add it to um, a rootstock that is really um, hardy and will um, do well. Um, grafted roses aren't bad um, some of them do just fine but the earth kind of research showed that um, the ungrafted roses did much better overall um, one of the advantages is is that you don't have to worry about pruning roses um, below the graft um, if you prune grafted roses too far you can stimulate the rootstock to grow and it's going to send up shoots um, from the base and when this happens um, you can end up with a rose bush that, um, with totally different growing habits and flowers um, because um, the rootstock um, is kind of inclined to take over ungrafted roses they won't do this because they are one plant you are listening to Plow and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. We are a member-supported community-based radio station here in Taylor, Texas. If you are enjoying my show, um, please go out to blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and learn about our cool little radio station. All right, let's get back to talking about those roses. Earthkind roses were studied for eight years in um, test sites all across um, Texas, from out in West Texas, like Abilene, down to the coast in Beaumont, and then out, um, you know, in East Texas, too, over in Tyler. And then, of course, a bunch of other test stations um, in between. Um, Texas A&M tested all kinds of roses in different types of soil and climates over the years. None of the test plants were treated with any sort of pesticides and the roses were just given basic care, normal water, compost, and mulch. And from what I read, the test roses were given um, just the bare minimum amount of care. And they did this in an effort to find out which roses are truly the easiest to care for. As it turns out, these conditions are completely achievable in our backyards. 
Um, if you can grow weeds, you can grow earthkind roses. They are that easy. And I love that you don't need um, gross and dangerous chemicals to have beautiful roses that are low maintenance and environmentally friendly. And that is just so awesome to me. If you are new to roses, I bet you are somewhat familiar with um, one earthkind rose already. And um, that is the knockout rose. This is the, that super popular landscape rose that is used everywhere. Um, it's that dark hot pink um, rose that's almost red but not quite. They are really popular with homeowners and commercial landscapers. You'll see them a lot like in shopping centers too. Those knockout roses are just all over the place and you know it for good reason. They put out tons of flowers from spring until fall and they'll even put out a few flowers over the winter if it's mild enough. Knockout roses have very few issues just like the other earth kind roses um, just as long as you don't plant them too closely together. But as pretty and prolific as they are they don't have a fragrance at all. And that's pretty disappointing. I really love a pretty scented rose and it's always a letdown when I stick my nose in a flower and it has no fragrance at all. Knockout roses don't last very long as cut flowers either, but they're easy enough to grow and even if they don't have a nice fragrance, you can, ha you can be successful with the knockout rose. Now I have seen where there are other colors of knockout roses and the ones that have more petals um, but only the dark rose with a single row of petals has the earth kind designation. Knockout, um, the name Knockout has really become more of a brand rather than a name. And I've seen the big box stores um, have started to get colors like orange and coral and yellow. I don't know if they just stuck the name Knockout on the label to try to sell them. Um, I tried to confirm... Um, to confirm if the new colors um, were grafted or not, um, but I couldn't find anything right off the bat. But the Earthkind website only shows the original dark pink one, so I'm gonna stick with that one and say that it's the only Earthkind designated knockout rose. So even though knockout rose is really popular and it's the most common kind of Earthkind rose that you'll find, out in the stores there are actually 21 official earth kind designated roses and they range um, in different sizes of shrub roses like dwarf and small and medium and um, but they also have four different types of climbing roses now unfortunately there's not a lot of variation in colors but that's okay to me because they are just so easy to grow um, normally, I am drawn to colorful roses, but after trying different roses, I have to say my um, personal favorite is Belinda's Dream. It is an earthkind rose, of course, and it has done so well with very little care on my part. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh, I've had um, two Belinda's Dream bushes for, I don't know, at least 10 years, and I know that they haven't gotten a whole lot of consistent care. Some years they were pruned, um, some years they weren't, um, but they didn't care. They are really happy where they are, and I always get lovely baby blanket pink flowers. You know, I don't really understand roses all that well, so I don't know why they put out different size um, blossoms, but they do. Um, some of the Belinda Dream um, roses, uh, you know, the individual um, flowers are huge, like four inches wide, and they have just tons and tons of petals. Kind of looks like 
um, they're really really ruffly and they also have a light um, fresh rosy scent that's very nice the fragrance isn't power overpowering at all um, but I gotta say last summer the bushes got to be about five feet tall so if you want to try Belinda's dream be sure to give it some space um, because once it's full grown it's a big plant Belinda's dream is a great rose it gets pretty big though so if you aren't sure you have um, the space you may want to look for smaller earthkind roses just go over to the earthkind website and you can click um, click the link on the roses page and check out the profiles for all 21 of the earthkind roses um, if you want to see Earthkind Roses in person before you buy one, you can go check out um, the Rose Garden at the Williamson County AgriLife Extension um, office. They have a demonstration garden in Georgetown. Um, they have a pretty large area where they um, have all their roses and they have like information on them, like little signs and stuff. Um, and I know that they have Earthkind Roses growing there. Um, it's probably been um, two years or so since the last time I was there. Um, I had to go to Georgetown um, to so I could um, my daughter could take her SAT at one of the schools over there. So I had some time to kill while I was waiting for her. So I went to check out the demonstration garden. Um, it was nice to see um, roses at their full size, and some of them can get quite big, like Belinda's Dream. Um, this time of year, if you decide to go over there, there won't be much going on. Um, there definitely won't be any flowers, but um, they also have a vegetable demonstration garden, and they also have um, a little mini orchard of fruit trees over there. It's a nice way to check out a working garden. Um, you can just walk over and check them out, and you don't have to um, peek over somebody's fence like a weirdo. Um, most mas master gardener programs will have some sort of demonstration garden and the one in Georgetown is just off of um, Highway 29 on the inner loop. If you are interested in planting new roses then I really recommend that you get familiar with the Earthkind roses. They aren't necessarily sold um, with the name Earthkind on the label so you want to make sure that you know um, the name of the rose that you want. Roses want eight um, hours of, uh, they want eight hours of full sunlight a day. Here in Taylor and our part of Central Texas where we have um, this heavy black clay, we need to amend the soil for the roses and incorporate lots of compost. Clay is very dense and thick and it has uh, issues dealing with water absorption. Adding compost will help with drainage and um, it's going to provide nutrients uh, to the soil while um, it helps retain the right amount of water for your roses. When digging your planting hole, um, just plan on adding lots of compost. You know, put your rose in the hole, alternate um, like a scoop of compost with a scoop of soil. Compost, soil, compost, soil until your hole is filled. All roses need to be planted in a location that has good air circula circulation. Um, one thing that they learned from all those years of Earthkind um, rose research was how important spacing is for roses. Increasing the distance between plants really seemed to reduce the fungal issues and diseases in roses. 
and EarthKind recommends at least one foot of open space between mature plants. So you're going to have to plan. You're going to have to read the labels. You're going to have to, um, you know, check out the tag information and follow it. Um, it's really tempting to plant plants close together um, so that they look fuller. Um, but you're going to have a pruning mess um, by the time multiple rose bushes um, are fully mature. So all the information on sizes is on the EarthKind Rose website, um, and it's going to be on the tag too, so just read the information. Be sure to add a nice thick layer of mulch around your roses. Three or four inches of mulch is perfect. EarthKind Roses really are so easy and they don't need much pruning at all to be productive plants. I mean, you'll want to remove dead and diseased um, and broken branches to help promote, um, you know, plant health. But these EarthKind roses do well with very little effort. Like I mentioned in the beginning of the show, mid-February is when we want to plant and prune roses and plant seed potatoes. I always remember to do my rose chores around Valentine's Day and potatoes get planted around President's Day. If you don't have any of those super low maintenance earth kind roses that don't need much pruning, you'll want to do your research on the kind of rose that you have. Um, before you start pruning. If you don't really know what kind of rose that you have, um, you can just follow the basic pruning um, rules for roses. First, um, first off, remove any canes that are dead or old or non-productive. These canes are usually kind of gray, um, kind of like scaly and just unsightly, so take those out. Um, most shrub roses, the ones that grow like a bush, um, they need some annual pruning to keep a nice shape and decent flower production. If you want more flowers, you should tr only trim your rose bushes to three or four feet tall. If you want bigger flowers on your rose bushes, then you can cut your bushes down to about um, 18 to 24 inches. Um, just be sure after you after you cut them back, um, go in and look for weak or crisscrossing um, canes and then remove those. And also remove any suckers that pop up below the graft. These will be at the base of the plant. You want to get rid of those because if it's a grafted rose, um, your, gra um, your rootstock can take over. If you have roses that were um, there when you moved in and they aren't really thriving or they have constant problems with insects or fungal diseases, you might want to just save yourself some effort and just go ahead and remove them. They aren't really ever going to get better and they're always going to have problems. So if you have something you don't like, just get rid of it. Um, if you have a bunch of roses that were planted um, too close together, remember roses really like um, good air circulation, then, you know, remove some of those. Um, take, out, um, take, it, take out some of them, just like every other one, um, and give them some space. Um, the roses need that good air circulation um, so that you can avoid fungal diseases like black spot. All right, let's switch over to potatoes. If you want to grow potatoes, mid-February is when you need to get them in the dirt. You will want to get some seed potatoes. You don't, <coughs> you don't always know. I mean, people are tempted and they, they say that you can use just grocery store potatoes, but you really don't know if they've been treated with anything that would keep them from sprouting. 
Um, they do that um, to help extend the shelf life of potatoes that you buy at the store. Um, you might be able to use organic potatoes, but for best success, just get some seed potatoes. They are pretty easy to find this time of year, especially if you shop at independent nurseries like Taylor Garden Center. Um, or, you know, if you frequent feed stores, um, a lot of times you'll find seed potatoes there this time of year. Um, some varieties to look for are Yukon Gold, White Kennebec, Red Lesota, and Red Pontiac. If you can choose small, like one inch size seed potatoes, you'll have better luck um, than if you try cutting up larger ones. You have to let the cut pieces dry a few days and let them callous before you plant them um, because otherwise they'll rot in the ground and that's gross and sad because you won't get potatoes. Um, cutting up a larger potato is a way to save a little money, but it's also riskier in that um, you could um, not develop potatoes because of um, when you cut a potato, you're exposing it to um, pathogens. Um, you don't have to pre-sprout potatoes if you don't want to, um, but a lot of people like to set their seed potatoes out in a warm, sunny spot and let their potatoes start to develop eyes. Um, the eyes are the first signs and the first green um, parts. Um, those are the beginnings of sprouts. Um, Pre-sprouting is kind of like a jump start. It gives them the opportunity to realize that it's time to start putting on stems and leaves and eventually making more potatoes. If you put them in the ground and just cover them up with dirt, they will eventually sprout on their own, um, but pre-sprouting kind of gives them that jump start. Potatoes like nice, loose, well-draining soil. So <coughs> this is kind of a problem as you plan to grow potatoes in our directly in our black, heavy clay um, soil. Um, our soil, this black lime prairie soil, holds too much water and it tends to get really hard when it dries. And it's not really conducive to growing potatoes. Um, if you want to try to um, sow them directly into our soil, you really need to amend the soil with lots of compost to keep the soil loose. You might be like me <coughs> and grow them in a raised bed or in a container. There are just tons of ideas on how to grow potatoes in containers. You can use big tubs, you can use half barrels, you can even make a potato box. Um, you can grow them in bags. Um, some folks use old trash cans to grow potatoes. As long as it has drain holes, anything could work. Since um, potatoes put out tubers from their stems, um, you can try to grow them vertically. So for example, let's say you have a half barrel you wanna use. So you put down five or six inches of well-draining soil, and then you put down some seed potatoes. Space those about 12 inches apart, and then cover them with um, five or six inches of soil. Um, when, you know, let them grow a bit, and then when they put on leaves, um, they'll get about six inches tall. Put down some more soil and leave the tops of the plants exposed. Keep doing this until um, they grow to the top of your container. The plants will put out tubers all along those buried stems. Um, growing vertically will also help save space and it's gonna give you more potatoes. 
Um, you know, a few years ago, I found some instructions on the internet, and my dad made me a potato box. Um, so this box had like four boards around the bottom with four posts, one in each corner. So the bottom level was one board wide, and I put the seed potato in the bottom, and I covered them with six inches of soil. And when the tops popped up, I'd screw on another board around all four sides and then cover the stems with soil and only leaving the top exposed. As the plants would grow, I'd screw on new boards and I'd put down another layer of soil. And I ended up with like a four, four and a half foot tall box. Um, and it was just full of potatoes. Um, you know, of course, you can just plant your seed potatoes in a regular um, raised bed. Um, you don't have to have a fancy way of doing it, but there's lots of fun ways that you can plant potatoes here in Central Texas. But no matter what you decide, um, just plant them because fresh new potatoes are so good. All right, well, thank you for joining me today. It's a, an exciting time of the year, and it's probably the best time of the year to plant a variety of things. So check in with me um, every week during the springtime, and we'll visit more about all the wonderful things that we can plant. All right, bye, guys. Y'all be good. <laughs>